0: A week loaded. Hallelujah. As we begin the week's program, we have our main speaker with us tonight. Hallelujah. He is a minister of the gospel. He is a professor in plant breeding and genetics of the faculty of agriculture. He was the first dean of students for KNUST. He is a minister of the Methodist Church since 1988. And he is the immediate past bishop, Kumasi Diocese of the Methodist Church. He is the founder and leader of Bishop Kantanka Teaching Ministry, BKTM, and leader of the movement for eradication of poverty in Africa through the church. He is a prolific writer. A conference speaker, a teacher, a radio minister, a TV minister, and he has a whole lot of other activities he is engaged in. With a clap offering unto Jesus, we want to invite Right Reverend Professor Ose Sapo Kantanka. You can do it better unto the name of the living God. You can do it better.
1: Good evening. It's a pleasure to <clears throat> to be here tonight and to um, start with you the week that you are thinking about money. They say it's moja, so it's good to think about money. And I want to thank Osifo and uh, Amankwa, uh, the, the university people. My former uh, vice chancellor is also here. So when I'm here, I am at home. I think I'll be comfortable with <laughs> when I see their faces. I will not take too much time in the introductions and so on, but the point that I'm going to be making in the two or three days that I'll be speaking here is to engage your attention. As for the technical details as to how to be an entrepreneur and raise money and so on, I'm sure Amankwa and the others will will deal with that. But... My part will be, as Peter said in Second Peter chapter 3, verse 1. This is my second letter to you, dear friends. And in both of them, I have tried to stimulate your wholesome thinking and refresh your memory. So what I'm going to do is to stimulate you, I like the NIV, to stimulate you to hold some thinking. To hold some thinking about money, to hold some thinking about our lives, to hold some thinking about what the Bible says about money and so on and so forth. Because I think it's very, very important that... um, we in Africa begin to look at the totality of the gospel in terms of our blessings tomorrow God willing I'll be talking about Abraham one of the books that I've written is Abraham was rich Isaac was rich Jacob was rich why not you? I have copies here. I will urge you to buy copies of those books. And I've also followed that with this also. Africa shall be free from poverty. And the subtitle is Fulfilling God's Desire for the Prosperity of Africa. Fulfilling God's Desire for the Prosperity of Africa. It's also in three volumes. And I'll urge you to make sure you buy a copy. So I brought you six books. They cost 100 Ghana cities. Each set costs 100 Ghana cities. Sorry, 50 Ghana cities. Very cheap. But as I said earlier, what I'm going to be doing is to Let us think together. Look at the Bible and what it teaches about the issue of money, the issue of prosperity and so on. You know, prosperity has been given a bad name because of the approach that some people have used. And therefore, when you get to Certain quarters, sometimes they don't even want to think about the issue of prosperity. And they will rather want to pick passages in the Bible which seem to confirm that. In fact, sometimes you want to think that amongst us, in Africa, sometimes it appears to be what? Good to be poor. And, And so that is the issue that we want to look at and see whether... The total message of the Bible, in fact, the subtitle of the other book, Abraham was rich, Isaac was rich, Jacob was rich, is the spiritual and material blessings of the fathers. The spiritual and material blessings of the fathers. So we are talking about that the Bible have anything to say about our material blessing, how God blesses us materially? Or is it only has to do with what? Spiritual blessings when we have to come into the presence of God. So we really need to be thinking about these kinds of things and begin to look at. And I'm happy with um, the new this year's team for for your church possessing the, the, the nations. And we need money to in order to be able to do that. So um, when we're talking about money, uh, it's a very, very important topic. Sometimes the illustration that I give is, um, let me see whether I have some good money in my, in my pocket. They are all Vodafone. <laughs> oh, good. I have, I have a 50 CD note here. Now, And this is made of what? This envelope is made of what? Paper. And this is also made of what? Paper. So what is the difference? They are all made of paper. But when you go and see this envelope lying somewhere, you just pass by. But this one, something will just say, hey, somebody has lost their money here and some things like that. What is the difference? The difference is simple. That the whole of Ghana have our spirit, our soul, and everything in this paper. We have decided that when you see this paper signed by the governor, I don't know whose name is here, but then it means that if I give you these books and you give me this, that will be good. But if I give you these books, and you give me this paper, I'll say, give me my books. Because this cannot be a means of exchange. So you know, we had barter. People will have to carry things all the way and change it for something. And God, see, one of the things that we must accept is that the Bible says, every good and perfect gift is from above. So God gives wisdom. We begin to say that oh instead of always exchanging this for this let's have a means of exchange and that is money. So nobody can ever think that money is bad. He said the love of money is the root of all evil, but the lack of money too can be the what? The root of a lot of evil. That's not my point this evening. Tonight, what I want to, my, the team that I have chosen this evening is the liberating power of the gospel. The liberating power of the gospel. I'm saying this in the context of a continent that is known to be poor. It's not known, it's real. The, the Africa is poor, it's the poorest continent on the globe the poorest. And yet when you come to the vibrancy of the church, no other continent can beat Africa. So we need to begin to think about this whole issue of the God we worship. And whether this God that we worship He's only interested in matters that are spiritual. And that when it comes to matters that are material, he has nothing to do with it. That is why the subtitle of this book is very relevant, that fulfilling God's desire for the prosperity of Africa. What do I mean by the power of the gospel, the liberating power of the gospel? The next slide I'm saying that Jesus said in John chapter 8 verse 31 to 32 Jesus said to the people who believe in him you are truly my disciples if you remain faithful to my teachings and you will know the truth and the truth will set you free. You will know the truth and the truth will set you free. Free from what? What? We're talking now about the bondage of poverty and how knowing the truth should set us free from the bondage of poverty. That is why I firmly believe. That's why I formed MEPAC, Movement for the Eradication of Poverty in Africa through the church. Bible-believing Christians should be the people that should lead Africa out of her poverty. It's not the politicians. It is you and me who believe in the Bible. Jesus is saying, you will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. So what is your bondage? What is your bondage? The story of the Old Testament is that people who lived in slavery. And when you go to Exodus chapter 3, verse 7, this is what God tells Moses, that I have heard, I have seen, I have listened to their cries, and all those kinds of things, and I have come. Let me read it. Then the Lord told him, I have certainly seen the oppression of my people in Egypt. I have heard their cries of distress because of their harsh slave drivers. Yes, I am aware of their suffering. So I have come down to rescue them from the power of the Egyptians and lead them out of Egypt into their own fertile and spacious land. It is a land flowing with milk and honey the land of the Canaanites, and he goes on. I have seen how harshly the Egyptians abused them. Now go, for I am sending you to Pharaoh. You must lead my people, Israel, out of Egypt. There's nothing so shameful or disgraceful that you can do to a people when you tell them that when a woman gives birth to a son, that boy must be killed. And people had to comply. Except one woman who said, my son is no ordinary child. I will not kill that child. And if you are going to refuse to kill the the, the child based on the king's order, then you must do something about it. You just don't sit there. And that's why it comes to the use of the mind. So the woman says, Marion, come, bring the basket, put a plastic or whatever into it, and take it and put it by the side of the river Nile. And when the child cries, come and call me, I'll give, I'll give him uh, milk. And God sees this woman's desire to refuse, to defy the king's order. He's using what he's capable of doing in her brain. And I've quoted in my book, one Galileo. Galileo, the founder of the telescope, he said, I don't believe that the God who created my mind wants me to refuse to use my mind to reason to solve my problems. And so this woman is solving her problems. And God comes in. And the son that was saved becomes the one that God is going to use as an instrument to take his people away from their slavery. So we as Christians must begin to demonstrate to the rest of the world that yes, we believe in the God who has created the world and has given us, tomorrow I'll talk about the creative ability of God in man and how and why we should be the people who should be able to solve our poverty problem. When our president went to uh, the United Nations and I was addressing them, he was right in saying that Africa has no other problem except the problem of what? Poverty. And therefore, my whole concern, the burden that I believe God has given me is to speak about what? Poverty. And tell the church that God has no other what? Instrument or agent to take away the poverty and the shame and the reproach of Africa, but the people who, call what? who believe in the Lord Jesus Christ. Africa cannot continue to sit there to be called what? Shithole countries. Africa is a scar on the conscience of the world. And then the current Prime Minister will say that the only mistake we made is that we left Africa. And that we should have continued to what? Be in charge of that continent. To be poor, we say it in And so, when we are talking about poverty, it's a serious problem which should engage our attention. And Jesus is saying, when you get to know the truth about what the Bible teaches, the totality of the message of the Bible, then you will know And you will be set free from the bondage of poverty, which God doesn't like. The next slide is Gilgal. And God is telling Joshua. Joshua chapter 5, verse 9. You know the story. When you are in a church like this, you know this is a church. They know the word and so... When I mention, I know you know it, but after they have moved out of Egypt, all the things that Moses did, after they had the Passover, verse 9, the Lord said to Joshua, Today, I have rolled away the shame of your slavery in Egypt. So that place has been called Gilgal to this day. The shame, the reproach of your poverty need to travel outside. Go to the west or wherever. And you see, the problem we have as Africans is that it's not just that we who have melanin, the black pigmentation, it's not that we are, what? The minority in the world. There are more people with what? White or whatever skins than those with black but that is not a problem what identifies us most is what our poverty when i was young and i would go to conferences and and so on and so forth and after all someone would come and ask you when are you going back i say you am hunting i'm a buy you Those of us who stayed, I, uh, Professor Ellis, went to the same university that I went in uh, Canada. And sometimes we chat and we, we, we thank God for the fact that immediately we finished, we both decided that we'll come back. And it was not easy. But Hallelujah. So the, the reproach of Africa and it's not just the reproach of Africa, but I'll come down to the fact that you yourself, wherever you are living, wherever you are, if you are poor, the kind of respect that you should have, you don't get it. And so when we are talking about poverty, we should begin to move away from this kind of thinking about people you tell them. And people will say and all those kinds of things. What, what do you mean by a Christian? who is that? No, we are not afraid of death. We know it. It's part of us. But whilst we are living, our lives should glorify God. Sometimes I ask this question. Assume you have two children, two sons or whatever. And you have raised them. They have gone outside and they are working one of them comes back and then he comes around and says, Daddy, it's time. That's the language they use. Then you say, Ah, oh, no, quite, no, no. Then you go and give him or her something. At another time, he comes. Then you have another son. You give them all equal opportunities and so on. The other one comes. Then he says, Daddy, This is the car that, by God's grace, I've been able to buy. I've even bought a plot of land. Me and my wife, we are beginning to put out something. And then you see the way he's presenting himself. Which of the two sons make you proud? Which of the two sons will make you proud? Clearly, is the one who says that, yes, this is the effort that I'm making and so on. So if God created the whole earth and placed you and me in, on, on the continent of Africa and placed others on other continents and we go and stand before him and they say that, look, the material that we gave to us, we have used some of them in making what? Tele, what phones. When I was coming here, there was this plane that was soaring high and moving up. And within the next, what, 40 minutes, it will be in Accra. And then you sit there and say, I created a bird. But these people have also been able to use the same principle of how a bird flies to create what? An aeroplane And cut short the distance that they have to use to go to this place. Which of them will make you proud? So we have, we, have, we have something to deal with. And the fact of the matter is when you go out there and sit there with, with a and go to classes and so on and so forth, you see that they don't have any what, greater mental capacity than you have. In one course that I took at my girl, the, the I got the highest mark and the lecturer called me and he was surprised that I beat everybody in that course. And I told him, I said, why is he surprised? I said, black man. I said, black man. So what, I'm, what, what, what I'm, I'm stimulating you to realize that, yes, we are doing well, but our performance is not what? As good as it should be. And those of us who believe in the Bible, if you read my books, I have quoted a story of a Botswana king who went to UK at the time of Queen Victoria. And he asked Queen Victoria, what is the source of this prosperity that I see all around? And Queen Victoria took the Bible and said, this is the source of our prosperity. So how can we have Bible-believing Christians? And they will come and do all that is nice in the church. So we have a problem. If it's not applying to you, all around you, you see it. Our poverty is real. And the Bible which you and I believe in as the word of God has all the answers to the poverty of Africa. What is interesting in the Joshua passage that we are looking at is that when you read verse 11, it tells us that the very next day they began to eat unleavened bread and roasted grain harvested from the land. No manna appeared on the day they first ate from the crops of the land and it was never seen again. The manna stopped on the day they ate food from the land. What principle is God teaching us? Why did the manna stop? There's a clear principle. That's what I mean in the next slide. The principle of total freedom. The principle of total freedom. So if a continent says that they have political freedom and yet they really don't have any economic problem, then that country cannot continue to be proud. God is saying, economic freedom must follow political freedom. Today, I have rolled away the reproach of Egypt. If I have rolled away the reproach of Egypt, then you must eat from the land. You must toil. You must work hard. You must plan your life. And take the resources that I've put in your land and make your life worth living. The principle applies to nations and to individuals. So I put down in my notes here. Freedom from the bondage of sin sets us free to throw away the bondage of dependency syndrome an entitlement mentality. You can take a whole sermon to preach about entitlement mentality and you get entitlement mentality is even the whole educational system. You churn out graduates every year and they finish and they fold their hands waiting, I am entitled to this. Sometimes when you listen to the news, you begin to ask yourself, When we were young, our people would go and use what? Dig pit latrines for themselves. And we, as boys and girls in the villages, would have to go and clean those places. These days, you go to the places and nobody is there is a problem. There's a problem. The problem of the way we see ourselves, the problem of the African mindset, which must change, and which must be linked to our worship of God. Otherwise, we cannot divorce our worship of God from the way we are living our expectations. Listen to what uh, Paul told the Thessalonians. Thessalonians can be another whole thing that you can preach about, the people of Thessalonians. Because they were having some expectation. That's why Paul told them. They said, the Lord is coming. We don't need to work. They are the people that Paul started to say, if no one will want to work, don't let that person also eat. Because so far as they were concerned, all that was important was what? Spirituality. All that was important was the Lord is coming. And so Paul tells them, 1 Thessalonians 4.11 Make it your goal to live a quiet life, minding your own business and working with your hands, just as we instructed you before. Then people who are not believers will respect the way you live and you will not need to depend on others. That is what I call dependency syndrome. The whole of Africa it's undergoing this dependency syndrome. One of the things that I said I was sad about was when the whole Africa, all the presidents of Africa, lined up to go and see and shake hands with what? The head president of China. What is his name? Xi Jinping or whatever it is. <laughs> and he stood. And then they probably had packed the African presidents in, in some room. And then they walked and our president was coming, this short man was coming, and then he will go and greet the president of, of China, and then when you finish greeting, they show you and you go. All oh, the 50-something presidents of Africa. Why? Because he has said that he will come and take our raw materials and give us money. Economic freedom... And and, and, and you see, Paul is saying, dependency. There are so many people living here. The countries are doing it. The amount of debt that is piling up for what? The unborn generation of Ghanaians. So we as Christians must begin to take our mind off these NDC, MPP arguments about who got the highest loans and so on and, who, and, and, and all those kinds and begin to look at our own selves and see how can I get out of this and live a life that even my whole neighborhood will see me and give me respect and then I will tell them it's not me it's God who has done it in my life. Otherwise we have no testimony. If our Christianity, if our spirituality will not reflect in the way we live, if our school father had not brought this free SHS, the number of people that would have stayed away from secondary school, and some would just close their eyes to it, And the, the free SHS will just finish. 2020, the first batch will come out. And then the bunch that need to go toward tertiary level education. Everybody is sitting down and waiting. The other time I was at university at uh, Wutak, and I said, please, Wutak, give us ideas. Don't let everybody sit down and think that abide, 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 abide. We have problems. So that people will give us respect. That at least Ghana, now in Ghana, everybody can go to secondary school. And that we are able to move on to another level. These are issues that should concern you and me. One of the things that I preach about is what? Selfless and selfish reasons why you must be rich. Know the words I'm using. Selfish and selfless reasons why you must be rich. Selfish reasons, because you need the money for yourself. In one of the books, Isaac was rich. I have argued, Isaac lived for 180 years before he died. When he was 100 years, he was blind. That is why Jacob was able to deceive him. How did he live the 80 years of his life when he was blind? Was it a miserable life? No he had his own nurse who was called Deborah. So in his old age, he needed money. And the Bible says, Abraham was rich. Isaac was rich. Jacob was rich. So they, could, they, need, they, they, they had money to take care of their own needs. As I stand here, I have some pain in my knees. And when you are getting older, the, the knees and the, the, the waist and, and all those things. So you see, I'm, I'm, I'm a bit calm because I know that's why I was sitting when you were right. I, I know I have to be careful. <laughs> Old age is, is catching on. You, you, and, and you need money for yourself. Solomon describes how the body weakens as you get older. In Ecclesiastes, I think, chapter 11 to 12, it tells you, the teeth, the eyes, the knees, and so on. Today, this sickness is gone away. The next day, another one has come, and so on. So you need money for yourself. Selfish reasons and selfless reasons why you must be rich. There are so many other people whom you can change their whole life if you have money to support somebody. I'm still paying school fees. But all my children, they are finished and so on and so forth because others need my help. So selfish and selfless reasons why the Christian must be rich, to make a difference and not be what? Dependent on somebody. Even the graduate must not sit down. I have said that the Christian graduate must never join what? Uh, What do you call it? Adidas. You must use the brains to solve the unemployment program. You see, one of the things that I speak to university students about is what? Beyond the walls of the university. Beyond the walls of the university. How are you preparing yourself? It's not yet the certificate. And if you read the, the book of Daniel, that's what I always base my teaching on that. on. And you see how the kinds of things that the king wanted. Beyond the certificate, I want someone who has what? Um, uh, what? C- capability to do, it, to understand things. Uh, uh, and, Some of the things that you don't get out of the classroom, for example, the kinds of things that we'll be discussing this week. Somebody may be in this church and he will never be bothered about it. But these are the issues that pertain to your life everywhere. Let's look at the Bible again and see what I call the reproach of poverty. The next slide. There are so many passages in the Bible. When I have spoken on some of these topics... One of the passages people ask me about is Proverbs 22, verse 2. And they argue. They say, Proverbs 22, verse 2 says, The rich and poor have this in common. The Lord made them both. So some people will say, Ah, So, so if God made both, why would you prefer to be what? To be poor. You, you choose. God made both. And what I'm saying is that Africa seemed to have chosen what? The way that will continue to make her poor. I was so happy when they gave this Ethiopian president the uh, what? Nobel Peace Prize. This is a 43-year-old young, young man, if you want. And he comes in and he says, this problem between us and Eritrea, 20-year problem, we need to solve it. He goes across. And I'm saying, oh, so Africa, we can solve our own problems. Sudan, they also uh, have a problem. He goes down and they solve it. So he is demonstrating that we are capable of what? Of solving our own problems. But you come around and you see that we don't have that kind of mindset, that kind of preparedness to solve our problems. We think that when we elect people into what? Into into government. Then they are the ones that must solve every problem. They must do the roads. They must do the schools. They must put money into our pockets and all those kinds of things. So you can be in such a situation and you never think that you are really what? Responsible for what? For your own life. The rich and poor were both created by God. Kiyosaki wrote a book, and one of the chapters he wrote this. Whom does God love more, the rich, the middle class, or the poor? What is your answer? Whom does God love more, the rich, the middle class, or the poor? I think based on the argument that I've been giving you may you 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 oh I, I should send a paper around say so that I write <laughs> <laughs> Look I have gone to places where people have answered and said <laughs> ah. Please we need what a rethinking a rethinking God loves all of them. God loves Africans. He loves Europeans. He loves Asians. He loves Chinese. He loves everybody. And he has endowed everybody with resources. Look at the parable that Jesus gave. The parable of the talents. Classic what? Parable about the need for you to be able to do or to take care of yourself. Instead of giving what? Excuses. If you are endowed in this area, somebody may be endowed in the other area. If you have done well in that, there can be exchange and so on, and you'll be okay. But these three people who were giving what? Five talents, two talents, and one. One of them decided not to do anything about it. I think when the man came back, the, if it was Thousand Cities... The serial numbers were the same. You gave me thousand cities. And here is your thousand cities. What has he done? And yet he was condemned. Said, throw him into utter darkness. What is the other name for that utter darkness where he must go? Hell. Why is he going to Hell. You know how many people poverty will take to hell? Refuse her to what? Exercise the abilities that God has given to him or to you and me. And then Jesus asked this principle that when you refuse to use what I have given you, then the principle therefore will be what? transference of wealth. So take what was given to him and give it to the one who had five. And at work with the five. Transference of wealth. When you read the whole of the Bible, yesterday on radio, I was talking about Jacob, and I said, that man, from the very beginning, he had what? Achievement drive. A strong achievement drive. He wanted to achieve something, even in the mother's womb. And you see, God met him at Bethel, and so on and so forth. Yesterday, we were saying it. After all, when he worked for seven years and the uncle said, I'll give you my daughter, and then eventually gave him who? who? Leah. But he said, no, I want whom? Rahel. He said, then you work another for seven years. Fine. Because he wanted to do what? Achieve something. Ambition. One of the things I have put down in my nose, contentment is not mutually exclusive with what? Ambition. The fact that you are content in life does not mean you must not have what? Ambition to achieve something. I keep on giving this example. I'm still planting my cocoa farm. Last Saturday, because I was sick, I couldn't go but they were calling me. Somebody who is above 70, but I still believe that I must do it. Because one of the salient points, maybe I'll talk about that on Sunday or something, is Proverbs 13, 22. A righteous person leaves an inheritance for his children's children. That's think like a Christopher, you know, demonstrate demonstrated our principle here. If all the Christians in Ghana were demonstrating this principle, which Abraham did, which Isaac did, and which Jacob did, were living an inheritance for their children's children, would Ghana be, be poor anymore? And yet, we are living debts for our people. You are English people, so uh, when I can, I don't go to the trees, songs, and things like that. But let me sing one of them. May no, no, we make a jam or bush and away, may I am on you? We are dealing with a serious issue. Ube woo, a deca, a deve, a giant, until we are in your deve, so if you have people with this, and they, 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 when you go to the, the drinking spots, this is a nice song with nice beat. And people are drinking. And I mean, we are more about, uh... But listen to what the Bible again says. Proverbs 22, 7. Just as the rich rule the poor, so the borrower is servant to the lender. Just as the rich rule the poor, so the borrower is servant to the lender. You have all this in the Bible. Proverbs 14, 20, the next slide. That one is very interesting. The poor are despised even by their neighbors, while the rich have many friends. And then he continues. Wealth is a crown for the wise. The effort of fools yields only foolishness. But one passage that I like most, is a sad story. It's Ecclesiastes chapter 9, verse 13 to 16. Ecclesiastes 9. Here is another, uh, what did I say, 13 to, yeah. Here is another bit of wisdom that has impressed me as I have watched the way our world works. There was a small town with only a few people and a great king came with his army and besieged it. A poor, wise man knew how to save the town. And so it was rescued. But afterwards, no one thought to thank him. So even though wisdom is better than strength, those who are wise will be despised if they are poor. Give me a Bible, and can not so even though wisdom is better than strength, those who are wise will be despised if they are poor. You can be a professor. And <laughs> Prof and when you go to the university, you have a bunch of what the nation's what? People with the greatest brains. Assuming you are part of them. And then you go on retirement. And you don't even have anywhere to go and stay. And you have to go and join back to your village. I remember when we were young there, there was one professor, a full professor. It's not right. Here is someone who is wise. He gives the key as to how the, the town can be saved. And the Qatan was saved. But nobody respected him. Nobody cared about him. Nobody, they did not even thank him because he did not have... This is human nature. You say it's not right, but that is what it is. And um, Solomon, God inspired him to write this for us. That we must use our mind, our wisdom, to do what? To solve our poverty problem. In order to, to win what? The respect. That is what Paul also said. In, Ecclesi- uh, in, in, in Thessalonians. So that you will not be dependent on anybody, but you will win the respect of those that live around you. I think I must try and wind up or something. So, the poverty of Africa is real. Let me... This first one is the poverty of Africa is it, is is real. Uh, some statistics. Uh, hippic, we have gone hippic, we have come back, and they did a study recently. They call it Ghana Living uh, Living Standards Survey, and they showed that 20, 20, yeah twenty three point eight percent of Ghanaians live under the poverty line. It's not the same everywhere. You know, um, yeah, I have it here in the, in the book. The following are extracts from the Ghana Living Standards Survey, GLSS7, conducted by the Statistical Service of Ghana, showing poverty levels in Ghana for 2016-17. 23.4% of Ghanaians live below the poverty line of approximately $1 per day which means, and if you do an exchange rate of about five cities to a dollar, it means that for every four, I have approximated a 23.4, let's run it to 25. That's a big number, but that for every, approximately every four Ghanaians you meet, one is living below the poverty line. Every four Ghanaians you meet, one doesn't have five cities to spend per day. 8.2, I think my figure there was wrong as I I changed it, 2.8. is 8.2 of Ghanaians live in extreme poverty. That's about 2.4 million Ghanaians have less than 50 US cents to live on per day. The report released in September 2018 also gave the following details. There are regional disparities and so on and so forth. So the poverty that we are talking about is real. You go to some parts of the country and really, it's terrible. The next slide. Those of you who are uh, Buklon people, you know this. Maslow's Hierarchy of needs, And it tells you about what? Physiological needs, Food. Water. Warmth. Rest. Safety. Security. Safety. These are basic. You don't even want to talk about the other things. Basic. Look at the way sanitation is is what? Overcomingness. Basic needs, where people sleep. These are real. And the church, that's why I said eradicating poverty in Africa through the church. The church must really come to grips. And your team of what? Possessing the nations means that we should be concerned about tackling the poverty issues of our country. It's a real issue. That should concern you and me. I've also, in the book, given uh, the next slide, I've given the ladder of wealth, level 100. If it's a ladder, then level 100 might be the, the lowest one. Level 100, not university level 100, but... Level hundred people, they have what I call poverty mentality. Poverty mentality. Everything he thinks about is poverty. Sika mini bnt. That poverty mentality. And people think that because they are poor, everybody must, what? Take care of them. The level 200 is what? The lack of prophetic mentality. The prophetic. I, I, what? I receive it. I do this. Hey, and uh, this year is going to be this, and then the year comes and goes. And then, <laughs> still I receive and and all that. So that those those groups that is a level two hundred people. Then the level three hundred are the survivor. It's kind of a He's working on surface tension. So if if if, if, the, if the tension breaks, whoa! Then he goes he goes down. So he's it's, it's a survivor. And we'll learn, we'll learn this week that, look, in our country, in Proverbs chapter 31, the virtuous and capable woman teaches says that there's no way you can survive if you don't have what? Multiple sources of income. Multiple sources of income. In our country, you can only survive on your salary if you really have a lot of money at the end of the month. But almost all of us need what? Multiple sources of income. And the Bible teaches it. In Proverbs chapter 31. So many examples there. Then, if you are level 400, you have financial independence. That's what every Christian must strive for financial independence. If there's a problem, he's able to solve it. There's something that he can work on and solve the problem. But nothing like that, then the rich and then the affluent. I'm asking you, where do you stand on this ladder? <laughs> so. We are coming to the end of my presentation. Subsistence living. The next slide, I say that subsistence living is not enough for the Christian. Subsistence living. Subsistence living, the tree word for it is, or the brothel for it is what? From hand to what? To mouth. The subsistence farmers, all that they do is what? And, and the farm that you will make may not even have enough food to, to pass him through the whole year. Subsistence living. The Christian must aim at being the kind of person who at whatever cost, there is something that he can fall on. So, we should not have put down here, even the ant has enough wisdom to save for the rainy day. The Bible says, go to the ant and be wise. When Paul tells us in 1 Timothy chapter 6, that if we get what we eat, when you read the whole context, as I said earlier, he's talking about contentment. He was not saying that we should not aim at what? Achieving something. We should work hard. At one point, I met a, a, a young man in Manchester. He's doing very well. Then he decided that maybe our drone is good. He will not. I told him, look. We need you to work hard and get more money. Christians must have money. I keep on mentioning this man's name wherever I go, Kessman. because you, We mentioned that I'm doing radio and, 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 and TV ministry, but I don't pay a pessoa for it because he has it. When I finished with my work as bishop, and I told him, I told everybody that I'm not, I haven't finished. I'm going to still work, Bishop Kantanka Teaching Ministry. The day I launched it, he wasn't able to come, but he gave me a call and said, come. Meet me at my office on Thursday. I went. He took me to nest adjacent to Acidar House and so on. Big place. This is your office. Use it for whatever you want to do. They measure the cost in what? In square meters, and you have to pay for it. Come to my office and see. I don't pay a peso. He's giving that to me. I go on Kesben Radio. Sunday morning, 7.30 to 8.15, I'm there preaching. Thursday, 2.30 to 3, I'm there preaching. Thursday night, 10 to 11, messages that I have preached are being played on the radio. 5 a.m. on Sunday morning, I'm on Kesmen TV. 5 a.m. on Wednesday, I'm on Kesmen TV. How could I have done all of this? if it were not for this man who loves the Lord, and he knows that the money that he has must be used to what? Propagate the word of God. When I was a bishop, he would come to me and say, I feel you were in Then I say, we want to what, set up about uh, establish about 10 churches. He has a team that will follow our team. When we have set up the established the church, they will come and put up what, a structure for the people. Don't we need a lot of such people who have money, who establish businesses and and therefore give employment to everybody? If he alone can employ about 3,000 people and we have such people who can every year employ about 500,000, 200,000 and so on, why would Ghana continue to be poor? And why should Christians not aim at being the kind of person that God will use to bless people. You think that uh, he's doing all this because of the money that he needs for his pocket, how much food does he need to eat? How much room does he need to sleep in? And somebody always comes to where I, I, I stay and makes noise in the morning when we need to sleep. And he comes and preached <laughs> Ah why should this guy come and spoil our sleep with this kind of of, of, of message? In a in a, in in a poverty endemic country, you take the Bible and in the morning this is the message you are preaching to us. Uh, We we, we have a problem. uh, We have a problem. That is why I think that those of us who really have the message, the clear message of the gospel, need to open our eyes to the totality of the gospel and know that if poverty is enslavement, then the gospel has power to liberate these people from this enslavement. And therefore, the gospel is not restricted to the four walls of this chapel. The gospel is what? Out there, solving what? Problems for the people. Believing that God wants us to get money and be able to help. I was in my house washing my car. Somebody knocks at the gate. I go and open. That is my village. Now my father to school. JHS those days. We I have to we have what we have what do about it. As I speak, we have helped to establish a secondary school at the have And now the children are able to go there. And because of the influence that I have, I can go and see the big people. Now the school has been absorbed by government this year. So you see that when you have a global perspective of the problem that confronts us, then you see that even the amount of money that you have is not what? It's not enough. And that you should work towards really helping to solve a lot of our problems. Africa, we have the resources. God said in Isaiah chapter 5, What else should I have given to Africa that I have not given to Africa? I have a garden, I ploughed it, I planted a vine, an olive vine, and all those. But when I went to harvest it, it gave me only thistles. Not all of these things, we should not always spiritualize all of these things. But these facts are also true. They apply to us. Some of the rarest minerals on Earth can be found in Africa. They say DR Congo has one of the countries with some of the rarest minerals. China is not simply interested in Africa because they have money to give and dash to us. They know the wealth of minerals that we have. What are we doing? And this is the reason why some of you must go into politics. I was speaking at one of your 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 programs, uh, the what political chamber or something and things like that. So we, the excuses that we have given is not I think President said it uh, we, we the, the we have what we have exhausted all the excuses because slavery came, yes, colonialism came and all that, but Singapore and Malaysia and the others have gone beyond that. So atominum, yenaraya assassin. Bible, what God is really saying about the poverty problem that confronts us so that we really should be able to tackle these kinds of problems otherwise we will sit there I've quoted a lot of other people Silberger said there's an ambivalence among many Christians about poverty, about money. And he says, our Jewish founding fathers were not like that. but the Jewish founding fathers, when you read the Bible, you see that Abraham, he worked. He got money. Isaac, he took over from the father. He rebranded it digging the wells of the fathers. And he established it. And he also made money. Why is Apiominka, uh, uh, what? Poku transport. All those others dying. And whatever they set up, all going what? Rotten. Whilst Abraham is demonstrating, demonstrating to her that he, uh, Isaac took over from him. And he made sure that Isaac had married a, ma- a woman who will help him to be able to do that. In fact, even Jacob who left home, because of the covenant promise that was given to him, he went and struggled. I like Jacob more than any of them. He was a struggling man. And yet because of the covenant promise that he had, he came back with wealth. So you and I are potential rich people. God wants us to understand these things. That he wants Africa to be also to be respected. For Africa to be respected, I always say that I have a dream that a time will come when the commanding heights of Africa's economy will be manned by people who believe in the Bible. And when people who believe in the Bible are setting up their industries, they are setting up whatever it is, and people are getting jobs to do, then Africa will not go begging and in our villages will be transformed. And then we'll be able to possess the nation for the Lord. Let us stop. Muratori wrote a book, Poor Church Messages. Let us combine the spirituality issues also with like we are doing this week to learn how can I start something? How can we mentor some of the young people so that they can also pick up? And when we all do these kinds of things, purposely, 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 I always say that when I go to a church and the church has no what credit union, then that church is not seriously concerned about what, the financial issues that confront the members of the church. Because there must be a means. The Bible says in Deuteronomy chapter 15, and I've written in this, loans, not handouts. Give them loans and let them go and be able to start all over again. So, we must really have a clear program of how we want to help our members to get out of poverty. If I'm a sufferer, I'm not only supposed to pray for you, but I'm also supposed to ask you about non loan or free credit union. And when I know about how you are functioning, then I can pray properly for you. My counseling should not only be about a before and a but my counseling to you. It's about you and what you are doing with your life. What have you started doing? What work are you doing and all those kinds of things? I think the totality of our life is what we should be concerned with. Perry Stone said, I've quoted in my book, "When a truth is hidden or ignored, God always brings a season when that truth is restored." And I think this is the season, but the truth. About Especially for us in Africa, the truth about God's desire that Africa should also what? When you sit here and you listen to the music and the atmosphere that you created this night, and I know you create all the time, then we should not live here and go and be burdened about what what is in our pocket. I pray that the Lord himself will open our understanding, that we begin to think about these issues, about money, It's not evil, and you can use it for a lot of things that will bring glory to God. Amen.